Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson and I'm joined by my brother, Corey Baumeister. All right, you didn't do brother from another mother? You're really mixing it up, really broadening your range, huh? I I also called you by your actual name because our last special guest had an issue with calling you by your you know, your Twitch handle, which does sound, you know, a little impersonal. Yeah, bro. Honestly, I, I'd prefer if we keep the last names out of it. I'd, I'd prefer the Twitch handle. All right, Corey BMTG. Yo, what's up, FF Freak? How did, are you? Did you know that you can listen to this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, <gasps> and Stitcher? I didn't know that. I only oh. watch it at those platforms, so. Oh, interesting. Also, yeah. did you know that uh, each week we have a special guest? <gasps> I didn't know that. Do we got a good one this time or the same old same? Now we do. Now today's topic is all <laughs> things companions. Companions have uh, really changed the 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 landscape of, you know, all of the formats lately. And also it's been the talk of the town. And by town, I mean social media. Yeah. Uh, the talk of the Twitter. And so <laughs> I thought that it would be great to bring in an expert on card design. So we brought in someone who hasn't played with the cards at all, but once spent a month at Wizards of the Coast. It is none other than Brian Brown doing Mr. BBD. How's it going? You know what? It's going great. Uh, honored to be on this cast, especially in an expert role uh, on a topic that I know nothing about. So thank you so much for inviting me on the cast. <laughs> so like uh, not really any different from any other time you've been on the podcast then, right? But anything that's happening in America right now. That's cr- <laughs> yeah. that, that is correct. Yes, I um, I have a lot of I have a lot of great opinions on a lot of the stuff. Uh, none of them are expert. They're all they are facts based on how the world works now. Uh, they're alternative facts. They're alternative facts. That's yes. right. Now, yeah. Before we get into our companion topic, I would like to uh, take a short minute for a word from our sponsors. Hey, Corey, how's it going? I'm great, bro. How about you? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Brad, I said I'm doing great. I'm just about to actually play in an online magic tournament. Well, have you heard of MTG Melee before? Yes, Brad. That's pretty much all you talk about it. And that is also where my tournament is being held. Well, did you know that there are daily tournaments on MTG Melee ran by almost 300 organizers that currently use the website? Yes, Brad. That I just said that's what I'm doing. All you have to do is make an account at mtgmelee.com and find a tournament you're interested in. I know, I know, Brad. It's that easy. But what if I don't want to play in tournaments? Well, you can become a tournament organizer and run them yourself. On our homepage, there's a link to apply. Okay, but I'm not really MTG sure. MTG but... Melee, your number one source for organizing and playing online magic tournaments. Hashtag sponsored, bro. Hey, also, how much are we getting paid for this commercial? Oh, you're not getting paid for this. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I guess that is fair and accurate for what we're worth. MTG Melee, sign up today. All right. Let's start off with the impact on the formats. Now, oh, yeah. Now, Companions <coughs> got released on Thursday last <coughs> week. And since then, it's kind of shaken up not only some of the formats, but also just, you know, like I said, uh, the conversation. Everyone's trying them. And, you know, when it comes to new cards, sometimes a strategy is very good right off the bat. And then they kind of, you know, peter out. Um, yeah. And, and the best example of what I, you know, the former there is Garuda and Standard. Last Thursday and Friday, Garuda decks were everywhere. Now, Garuda is the four calls, blue, black, blue, black hybrid companion. That means that you have to play even co- uh, casted cards for it to qualify as a companion. And when it comes to play, each player mills the top four cards of their library, and then you can select an even for amount of cost creature among them 
to put into play. And these decks are just trying to combo off with Garuda and trigger it as many times with body doubles and yeah, and, and just um, kind of go off from there. Yeah, yeah. And so these these decks were kind of all over Magic Online or Magic Arena and just crushing it. But mm-hmm. then, um, you know, by Sunday there was the uh, the big the big the first big event of the format uh, held on MTG Melee was the Lotus Box Open, and that was standard two hundred and forty players. Around forty players played Garuda, and they combined for roughly forty four percent win percentage and a decent Ouch. amount of players. <laughs> yeah, a lot of good players were playing it, like yeah. um, Ed- Edgar Megish and a few other grinders on on the form, you know, of the SCG tour. We're yeah. playing Garuda and they did badly. So there, there's and they were really hyped about it going into it. You know, like they were calling it like the new Belcher and like really, really high on it. But yeah, it just didn't perform well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a classic uh, new deck at the start of the format. Sky is falling. This deck is busted. Uh, it's mm-hmm. actually 44 percent. Kind of. We, we <laughs> yeah. kind of saw that happen with like Nexus a bunch of times, too. Yeah, people same, were same calling thing. for like Gyruda Winter or something. They're like, standard is going to be Gyruda Winter. I saw one of those tweets and I'm like, okay, let's not get carried away here. I actually have yeah. a, a, a serious question about Garuda. Um, uh-huh. In uh, Legacy, the Garuda deck, do you name Demon or Kraken with your Cavern of Souls? Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Now, now that is a deck <laughs> that I'm a little scared of because of the consistency and also Cavern of Souls, Green Leyline, things like that. that if you looked now, now on Magic Online, sadly, Garuda is just banned until they fix some of the issues, the bugs. Yeah. Um, they they hard banned it. They banned it like mid tournaments. Um, they like canceled tournaments and it was a really weird day for Magic Online. But yeah. <clears throat> and that- and for anybody wondering why, it was because of the interactions with Rest in Peace and Leyline. You're supposed to still get these uh, creatures through those effects and it just wasn't happening online and they had to uh, just pull it out together. Yeah. And so, uh, so then, you know, but if you looked at the, the, the results um, from, you know, the MTG online um, deck dumps that they do, there was a lot of Garuda strategies, just a ton mm-hmm. in just a short period of time. There's a lot of them up there already. So um, it's interesting to see where this, this archetype is going to go once it comes back. And that's that's somewhere with legacy that it might be a thing. But moving back to standard, um, you know, Lurus ended up doing really well in the Lotus Box event. And I, I'm going to bring that one up because that's like the event that, uh, you know, was our first major event. It, it had, you know, 240 deck lists, some data that that MTG Melee provided and mm-hmm. really gave us uh, a shining light into the format, in my opinion, because arena, we can't pull information. It's only what each individual sees. Um, yeah. And, and, look, and we get some arena information from like the Channel Fireball events. But other than that, you know, not a, not a ton from it. Yeah, you, you there are some ways that you can pull data from that, but it takes a long time and it's really mm-hmm. complex. It's just a bunch of spreadsheets that you have to analyze. So a lot of people, yeah. no one's taking. I thought somebody would start doing that, but that's just too much data to sift through. It's like without an API and it's just spreadsheets, it's like super impossible for anyone to actually like like sift through that data. Yeah. Um, in a reasonable fashion. And I mean, also for tournaments this weekend, we had like two standard challenge events uh, on the 18th and the 19th uh, with some decent results that were on MTG Goldfish as well. But yeah, those are the three major pillars of uh, standard events right away. Yeah. And, um, you know, Lurus was starting to pop up this weekend. A lot of people are like, that's actually just the busted one in standard. And now even, you know, we halfway through the week, um, 
I'm already seeing Luras being kind of a bust as well. Team of Reclamation, Jeskai Fires, even the Yorion decks. Like, pretty much what I've decided um, to think about this, and now we'll go a little bit deeper on all of the companions <clears throat> here, but I've already, like, got a pretty decent opinion on st the standard format, which is the companions are just better mid-range decks than other mid-range decks that you could play. And, mm -hmm. and they create an arms race for these mid-range decks. But if you pivot a little and play either control decks or maybe not true control, but like control decks as in like Team of Reclamation, Jeskai Fires. Um, Even Jeskai Control, I was over, dabbling with a lot and having a lot of success with it. Over, um, the, over the top decks. Yes, yeah. the over the top, yeah. the ones that aren't just trying to attack. And we've already seen cat decks. You can't, without an Embercleave, you're not getting through a cat deck. Um, yeah. And, and so, and, you know, like these like Soul Tire Bant decks, um, you know, Bant really didn't get that much love from the set. They didn't get Trilands. And, but we're seeing like Bant Yorion decks starting to pop up and do well. Yeah. <laughs> including Four Color Yorion. So, like, all of these go over the top strategies are how you're going to exploit Luris, and that's being exploited now. So, um, you know, standard is not really, in my opinion, where uh, I'm afraid of these companions, but, you know, there's a lot of talk. Uh, on social media about companions and how they're destroying magic and i'm not seeing it in standard but i'm yeah. not gonna i'm not gonna defend against that thought in the other formats and like i put up a, a list here of um different formats let's let's start at the let's start at the well, very bottom the oldest format vintage i mean one thing to say is is that a it's still early in a format so it's really hard to say <clears throat> The impact that these will eventually have in standard. I mean, they're if they're going to be around for a year, oh, you know, a couple oh, years yeah. or whatever. Yeah. We're still. Yeah, super, it's just too early. But oh, all, my sweet basement child, we'll we'll get to that. But also, <laughs> but also from what you're saying, it sounds like just a healthy metagame. If if one week it's it Garuda and the next week it's Luris and then the next week it's you know Yorion like or Kruga stuff, or yeah. whatever, then that <laughs> seems like people are pivoting week to week based on what's good. That's just actually a good format so yeah it reminds me of modern you know reminds yeah. me of modern where it's a self-correcting format and, and and the rumors are that mono red's going to start being good and standard again like and and i agree with you i i think so i don't have an issue with that except for the one thing that i will say that is uh a, a ding against companions and standard <laughs> i already think that the london mulligan you both know that i think the london mulligan rule hurts replayability and standard and yeah, I, and I think that companions exacerbate that. Yeah, oh, um, for for sure. Yeah, and and that's my only thing is I don't know how I'm going to feel about the standard format in the middle of May. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and but, especially because I'm playing a ton of Magic now that I'm going to get more reps of this format than I did in any of the previous like two sets. Yeah, I I totally agree with you because right now it looks like everything is adjusting pretty well. There's a lot of cool decks, but eventually one of the decks is going to rise to the top, and then it's going to be kind of homogenized. But you know, I I think uh, right now the format is pretty sweet. Yeah, if any of these decks become like the best deck, then yeah, the gameplay of that deck is going to become yeah. incredibly repetitive since you have access to the commander every single game. Yeah, uh, certainly can create a lot of super unfun uh, gameplay. Yeah. yeah. The, the only the only commander in standard that I have found that does its its roles potentially too good are Kruga and Yorion. Like where they're seeing play, 
they're really good in those strategies. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Yorion for me is by far my favorite companion. I, I just the, the play patterns with that card is just absurd. But I'm sure we'll talk about that later. It's also um, the we, it also yeah. got to be the most fun companion. Like, you, oh, you, yeah, you get to do cool things with it. You play 80 cards. So you finally you get to play cards that maybe otherwise wouldn't see play in standard. Yeah, there's just a lot of like fun aspects of it. And there's a lot of like a lot of the deck constraints uh, are really interesting right now because, you know, normally you would think, OK, I'm adding 33 uh, percent uh, cards to my deck. So I should, you know, up the mana count by like 33 percent. Well, the, but, the, you know, that, that math is just not right. Let's that, start there. That That's what six. I mean, we're adding 20 cards, right? OK, we're adding 20 percent then or 25 percent. Oh, it is. We're. I actually don't know the math. Is he right on that, Brian? Well, I mean, you're adding 20 cards to a 60-card deck, so you're adding 33% of the deck in in cards, right? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Okay. <laughs> it's, just, but, it's just, like, worded really raw, weird. Yeah, yeah, probably. But it adds a, a really cool element because normally you would add that exact amount of lands, but then when you go up to 80 cards, you know, I think you want to pull back a little bit on the amount of lands. So I, it, it's interesting as far as the deck-building constraints, and it's interesting just how, if it's worth it to not be able to draw your most powerful cards, whether well, you're a fire stack so or... You, you yeah. played E-League. You're playing E-League later today, and once this podcast comes up last night, are you yeah. just trying to justify the fact that you only played 35 lands in your 80-card deck? No, I'm not trying to justify that, but yeah, that, that might have been a mistake. Admittedly, I audibled at the last minute, and uh, the mana base was uh, a little bit of the, the last concern, because everything was working great with it, but yeah, that just could be wrong. It probably needs to be 36. Corey is trying... <laughs> Corey's trying to justify you, but in the end, he'll justify you. Oh, he yeah. That's how I've lived my life. That's yeah. how I've lived my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I, I think your index are just the most fun things you can be doing. And if you pair it with fires, those turns where you can just go like fires on four into anything and then turn five, your fifth land, play Elsmith Conquers Death, then play a Yorian for free, blink out the fire and the Elsmith Conquers Death, and then play like a Narset or a Teferi, like a third spell. Whenever you get to do that, your your play patterns or the amount of times you just win the game on the spot is like, you know, a, a very high percentage the value is just absurd. And then, I mean, I if mean, you add in, like, you know, an omen you played on turn two, you get that value as well. It's it's really busted. Yeah, I have found I have found the uh, the Yorion allowing you to play multiple spells turns, especially later in the game. Also, the uh, you're already winning these games. And the problem is, yeah. is those turns. I feel like those are the games you're already winning. Um, and we'll see if that's the case. I don't uh, know if that's necessarily true, because I, I mean, like. Like, I, I can be losing a game and go Elspeth Conquers Death, Yorian, Blinket, and then Teferi, and all of a sudden, you're, you're Jeskai Fire player who played Fires, a 4-drop, and now, you know, a Teferi or something, now all of a sudden has nothing, you know? Yeah, so it's, it's, no. it's, it's a catch-up effect. Yeah, no, it, well, but yeah. you're saying that your Fires opponent that has a Teferi means that you still have a Fires? I don't believe that. Um, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, I, yeah. I do agree with you, and we'll see where that goes, but also... This isn't, you know, standard, I don't think, is where these companions are going to be an issue because, you know, like, play design focuses more on standard than the other formats. Yeah. That's, that's been admitted. And, you know, if one of the tier one decks in the format, I don't think Yorion's tier one, but if it even becomes tier one, like, mm -hmm. it's an 80-card strategy. That's cool to me. Yeah. Agreed. And, yeah. And 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 same with, like, Karuga's the only one that I, in my... Garuda and Karuga are the two that I think that if they're too good, 
they're not fun. And I think that I'm having trouble winning with fires. Um, other people have not shared in those um, issues. But, mm-hmm. like, I think Karuga and Fires is just kind of disgusting because it just always gives you the thing that your deck wants is a, is something to pair with your Red Cavalier, and it draws you cards. Like, I have Mulligan to five a lot with this deck and thought I could never win, and then all of a sudden have, like, five cards on turn five. Don't you mean Mulligan to six? <laughs> Don't you mean Mulligan to six? <laughs> yes, I sorry, excuse me. Yeah, I, did, <laughs> I, I did not keep my eight-card hand and instead Mulligan twice to six. Okay, yeah, that's what yeah. I Yeah, okay, cool. Um, now, Karuga does do some absolutely disgusting things. Yeah, and, and it's just, well, it's just card advantage, and that's, like, mm-hmm. already in a free card that provides more card advantage is already gross. Same with Yorion, same with Loros. Um, and that's... Yeah. That's the interesting thing. And I think that's the reason why in standard we're seeing that these companions are the ones that are are more powerful than the other ones because card advantage is what fuels standard. Um I you know, like the the basic thing about standard, um, in my opinion, is you you know, your deck has to create card advantage, and then the other step, the other thing that your deck needs to do in standard is interact well against them while trying to minimize their ability to use their interaction spells against you. Yep. When when you line card advantage plus those two things up, you probably have a winning strategy in standard. And I think mm-hmm. that's why we're seeing the top three to four companions that I've seen play in this format are ones that provide card advantage. Yeah. Um, you know, Umari and Lutri are just like not good enough to justify their restriction because they just get bounced. They don't add to the board. They're just yep. a threat. Um, you know, even Jagatha, which is kind of a free roll, it's just a 5-5 five, five for 5, you know? like Yeah, I, I think the reason Karuga, Lewis, uh, Luris, Yorin, and Gruda are all good, and especially and Abosh in a way, is because they have value the turn they come into play, and it doesn't matter if they die. Yes, yes, yeah. that, that is exactly it. And and even, you know, Kahiri, Kahira and Zerda are like free rolls in straight control strategies, yeah, like it's still just a three two for three, you know, like whatever, yeah. like it's fine if they have that extra little piece of interaction on some tough turns, it it shouldn't mm-hmm. swing a game that often. It might win a game here or there, but it is a cyborg card for a control deck, and yeah. and those things add up, especially once formats get really defined, and you really need to to hit a wide open format. You know, losing yeah. losing that random disdainful stroke that kind of ties the room together might actually really hurt you when you're fighting against a deck that can attack from multiple angles. So, but why yeah, do you still an example? Why do you care about disdainful stroking something when you can put a three two into play? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> no, understand. And, and honestly, bro, I've been playing a, a Jeskai control list that, like you said, didn't have any creatures, just like shark tornadoes and ultimatums as my win con. And I played Kahira, and then I also had like tight takers and war bosses in the board for like flash matchups and stuff. And it's like, oh, if I bring in these creatures, I don't get to play the companion, but the companion was barely good enough to even play in the first place. So right, it wasn't to, too I'm big of a deal. To, I'm going to have to nitpick you there with that that thing. Yeah. All right. You Please said, do. You said shark tornado. Yeah, Shark Tornado. Now, now, you you either call it Shark Typhoon, it's its legal name, or, or Shark Nado. Yeah, of yeah, course, you, you of course. You can't you can't come in with like that. That's just no. That's not acceptable. Yeah, I'm it's, disappointed in myself. Sorry. It's like then I cast Shark <laughs> Category Five Hurricane, <laughs> and my opponent conceded on the spot. Oh, when you so you actually, have been playing BBD. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so you well, have been playing. Oh, I've been playing. I've been playing <laughs> Ivan Flock's uh, variant of Team Wreck, which get, it it excludes Nightpack Ambusher and instead plays four Shark Typhoon. And I've been just card casting one with a Reclamation in play, and that is by far the most type like Type Five Hurricane or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I I have just had you know fifteen sharks of varying degrees in play, not fifteen, but like ten. You know, it's like Ghost Spiral make a 2-2, opt make a 1-1. Yeah, but whenever you opt or you grow Spiral, it's very important that if you're on stream, you do sing the baby shark do-do-do-do-do-do, baby shark do-do, right? I'm going to use that for tonight's room if I play it. I did not do that, but that's a good idea. I do it all the time, and you give all the parents in your chat just like, you know, some some post-traumatic stuff here. I actually have this new Go XLR Mini, or not Mini, it's a regular one. I don't know why I call it Mini, but I can easily record stuff, so I'm going to make a button for that. Oh, you're a genius. I got to ask a question. (laughs) How many sharks does it take to overcome 30 to 50 feral hogs? (laughs) What? (laughs) You don't know the 30. That's an old meme. Okay. It's an an old meme, but it checks out. It okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Perfect. So, but to quick to, uh, for this overview of them, because I, th- I bet a lot of listeners right now are saying, "Well, yeah, they're not great there, but they're ruining the other formats." Let's yeah. let's let's dive in and just first, we're going to just do a little synopsis of what we have been seeing in these other formats, and then we're going to be moving on to the subject to talk about people bringing up banning and the philosophy on card design. That's that's the topics for the rest of this episode. So. Let's uh, kind of crank these through because we're just, you know, I'm just going to list some stuff. Okay, guys? Uh, Let's do it. List it out. Right, so so in Modern, we have seen Five Color Humans play Gigantha in the sideboard as a free roll. Seems yep. fine for a deck like that because sometimes flooding is really bad for Modern Humans. Yeah. And you might have some lock pieces, but you just don't have anything to do. So playing that seems great. Um, we've seen a variety of Four Color Yari on decks, which I think that, like, that is going to be a mid-range deck in modern because there's so many cantrips involved and i know that like uh sam black was writing an article about this and a lot of people like nasif has been playing a ton with like soul herder strategies there's nib to light mm-hmm. there's there's even just just guy sahili uh cat combo oh you had me at cat combo let's yeah. go I mean, just, you know with 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 astrolabes and all of the yeah. cantrips that exist in this format um yorian just kind of fits right in yeah, um, that's the one thing to very much point out there is all three of those decks are already Astrolabe decks and it's already a phenomenal card. Now you're just kind of getting that extra free roll on it. Also, cantripping allows you to get through your deck quicker with a car, with an 80 card deck. Yeah. Um, and then there's Lurus decks like Prowess Burn, Death Shadow, 8 Whack, Hardened Scales, Devoted, Devastation. All these strategies are starting to play uh, a Lurus mm-hmm. um, because like they don't even need the more expensive stuff. Um, yeah. And, and there's certain combo decks that can't play with Lurus, right? If you really need a Heliod in Pioneer, you can't play it. But even in Pioneer, yeah. we're starting to see Lurus in, like, hard, hardened scales, like hardened constrictor strategies are just like... I just, I just want to stop you one second, Brad. One thing about modern Lurus that we're seeing paired with all these decks is it just goes so incredibly well with Mishra's Bobble in modern. You're just yes. able to get that free roll the turn you play it on turn three. Uh, I think that's kind of the main reason where Lurus is getting kind of insane in modern. I mean, yes. that's, that's, that's kind of a common theme throughout with Lurus is zero mana yeah. cards plus Lurus. Yeah, but I mean, we don't have a ton of those in standard, but modern is one place where we get that uh, that extra zero mana good playable cards. Yeah, it's so, definitely yeah. the difference between Luris and standard and Luris and older formats. And that, exactly, even, even yeah. actually, that's just the way 
I think it's just the nature of these companions itself is the drawbacks are actually drawbacks in standard because the card pool is smaller. In mm-hmm. some of the older formats, they're not really... It, for some decks, they're just not drawbacks at all because they already met the requirements. But for other decks, yeah. they're minimal drawbacks because there's just such a huge card pool that it's not that hard to fulfill whatever yeah. required. Like, Pro- like Prowess Burn for Luris. I mean, the only real changes they add is now they added Bobbles instead of, you know, some other medium card because it's so good with Luris that you draw every time. So that's not really a, a drawback. You know, it's just more of a small modification uh, to a already powerful deck. Yeah, I mean, and and right here, like, Luris might, might be, you know, rough for modern, but there are, mm-hmm. you know, decks that... Either the Lurus doesn't have that great of an effect, it's just like a card advantage thing that you're trying to assemble against decks that are trying to kill your stuff, or, you know, like Death Shadow decks have to get rid of Street Wraith for it. So there is a compromise yeah. there. Um, yeah, yeah, and... I'm, oh, sorry, I, I just want to bring up one more point about Modern Lurus. There's another deck that is, like, just surfacing that just looks absolutely frightening that Ely Cassis has created. It's just a Lurus uh, through the Breach deck where you just... Lurus is not your companion, but you just play four in the main deck because of Bobbles, because you can get back Lotus Breach. It, it combos insanely well with Emery at flipping your stuff over. So I think there's an absolute busted Breach deck with it as well. So you're talking about Underworld Breach, not through the Breach, right? Uh, Underworld Breach, yep, yep, the two mana enchantment, the red one. I was like, through the Breach with no... Through the Breach Luris is actually almost the uh, yeah. complete opposite of a combo. Yeah, I <laughs> like, what is this combo? No, no, yeah, yeah, Underworld Breach, but then you also get Luris with, like, Mox Amber and stuff as another way to turn on that, uh, that you flip over with Emery and stuff. It's absolutely obscene. Well, I, I, I would have to see it do its thing first. Yeah, um, because, you know, that's kind of stuff. But also, I just want to make a point about modern before we move on. OK, that I think that Mistress Bobble, like they've already set the precedent that in modern, we don't want too good of cantrips in the format because they banned so many blue ones that yep. I feel like Mistress Bobble has gotten very close to that line to me where there's just so many decks that play it and it's very abusable with a lot of strategies like Death Shadow decks. It's like good and all, you know, with Street Wraith and, and all of these things. And now it's really good with Lurus. I just feel like if they ever wanted to ban more cantrips, that Mistress Bobble should probably be on that list. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like it's not it's not good enough to get banned, but it, it definitely seems like it should be on the... Like, I think Astrolabe is, is worse for the format than Bobble, well, in my you opinion. you throw that one on the list, too. I'm yeah, saying- yeah. Bobble's not that far of a cry from uh, Gataxian Probe, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. And with Luris, it really might be the pushover to uh, get something like that banned. Or Bobble will be the card that gets Luris banned in modern, you know? Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, w- they've already they've already done it with Ponder and Preordain. They've 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 Faithless Looting. They've cut these one mana cantrip cards, and this is zero. But like, I just mm-hmm. think that if they don't want these kind of smoothing effects in modern, that, you know, Astrolabe and Mishra's Bobble might get on the list. But of course... Uh, I don't want to go down the the just the generic ban talk because we're we're all fatigued on it already. Um, let's yeah. move to Pioneer real quick, where Lurus <laughs> okay. has a few archetypes. Or Orzov Auras is probably the biggest one for Lurus in that format. Yeah, yeah um, and it went one and two, I believe, in the the first modern super qualifier. Just kind of dominated the yeah. tournament, and that makes yeah. a lot of sense because that deck was already decent, but now it always has Lurus. And and yeah. and when you beat that deck, it always feels like they were one resource away from dominating you. Yeah, um, yeah, that deck is scary. Yeah, and so that that got a huge boon there. And then like, but then there's like decks like Hardened Scales and Jeskai Prowess and 
burned that all had to change their strategies to have it good, whereas or Orzov Auras just got to add it kind of a free roll. Yeah. Um, and then Obosh has made a Gruel Agro deck, which I think is amusing to me because that deck is already was pretty much an Obosh deck to begin with. Um, yeah. It was already, yeah, you already wanted to go one to three with elves and three drops anyway, so it's creatures. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the I think now we're going getting into the murky area where we're seeing degeneracy and legacy and vintage because Lurus is in Delver, still Salpy, the perfect storm, Doomsday. Uh, Gyruda has created the clone army deck that we have talked about in legacy. And Yorion's hit the format a little bit in 80 card Bant Miracles, which is, again, I, if, if there's a Yorian deck at the top tables, I think that that's just really cool for Magic. Like, I, I'm especially fine. at Legacy, that seems wild to yeah, me. Yeah, I'm fine with Yorian being a dominant force in Magic for a while because yeah. until people understand it, because like we have had this conversation for a decade now, when it's correct to go play more than sixty cards, this just opens up design space for us to explore, and I, I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoy it. But Loras just seems degenerate with like decks like the Perfect Storm and things like that, especially. When you get to vintage, almost every deck is a Luris deck now. Yeah, yeah. The thing about Luris is when it becomes a free roll, that's that's where it's a problem. Like, mm-hmm. like in 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 you know ad nauseum tendrils or whatever, you, they already met the requirement of Luris, and then now they get to just recast lines eye diamonds for free, which is recouping the cost to cast the Luris in the first place, adding two to the storm count in. Uh, scenarios where you know they might have the the cards to kill but don't have this can't quite get up to the storm required to finish the opponent off things like that it's mm-hmm. just a free roll boost to a deck with no opportunity cost that that's where those cards are um not yeah. at their like you know not great where something like yorian where it's like yeah somebody's playing an 80 card deck in legacy and winning with it that's <laughs> yeah like, that's just awesome that's fine but, yeah yeah, I don't see Yorion, you know, taking over Legacy or anything like that. In fact, I think it's probably bad and people are just trying it. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I think it's great and uh, standard. Um, Pioneer, modern maybe, but I mean, Pioneer, you can also do like Jeskai Fires with it, which I think is uh, a cool deck design. But I don't see it being busted in Legacy with the things that I've been seeing. But once again, I don't know much about Legacy or Vintage. But yeah, Garuda and Lurus are, you know, topics that I'm going to want to keep up on with legacy if i care about legacy and i i definitely feel for players of the formats because the let's talk about the actual like so so we, we've got all this the last thing i want to bring up is yuta takahashi one of our favorites on this podcast um oh yeah big fan uh he took second in the vintage uh challenge this weekend with a lutri deck like actual singleton <laughs> and i think that's just awesome well yeah, good luck the, restricting that deck all the all, yeah, all the best cards in vintage are one of anyway so exactly yeah. Um, yeah that that was really cool but yeah so so now the 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 big issue though is it doesn't actually it does kind of matter um if these cards are too powerful in certain formats because they can take them over but it really also is an issue with the game keeps changing. We've seen more activity in older formats from standard sets in the last year, year and a half than we have for the last five years combined. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and that's unsettling to a lot of people that just like, I even feeling like my, I'm a professional magic player and content creator. This is a very good time for, for that kind of stuff. 
but I'm even feeling just an exhaustion of the game constantly flipping over on its head. Like when I when I want to go play in modern, it looks nothing like I remember it. Nothing. <laughs> also, there's it's more than just that. It, there's just a fatigue on a, on a lot of different axes. There's there's band fatigue where cars keep getting banned all the time, and people are like you know, feeling the fatigue of that, of like, we just don't, you know, we, we want to just not have bands for like some amount of time and we can get used to something. There's like a uh, churning fatigue, like what you're talking about, where um, if every set's impacting modern people's decks stop, like go in and out of relevancy so fast. And like a format like modern is a format where decks cost a lot of money. People want to be able to like build their deck. Sometimes they want to be able to like, you know, pimp their deck out with foils textless mm-hmm. cards, special versions of cards, and then be able to play that deck for a while. And if every set's changing uh, changing this format that's supposed to be like a little slower moving, uh, people lose the ability to do that. Same with bands. Bands constantly changing those formats. And then there's also just release fatigue where um, it used to be we would get four sets a year plus maybe like a commander set or like some specialty set uh, th- you know, from the vault or whatever. Now it feels like there's just always something, you know, a secret layer, uh, whatever. There's just a product being released constantly that there's just a fatigue in keeping up with magic. And it also kind of dampens the excitement around the actual set releases when it's there's just, you know, it's it's overload of information, overload of things being released. And there's just a lot of fatigue around magic in in regards to all three of those areas i think when when they released Mm -hmm. this set when they were spoiling it on twitter they were also spoiling a commander set and oh yeah that was so confusing i couldn't keep straight Mm -hmm. i would see like i saw the ultimatums and just assumed they were they were they were from the commander set and then (laughs) like i you know like I, i i could not get used to seeing cards and having to remember to look at the set um symbol like they were just releasing two sets at the same time yeah. Like that was insane to me that that was happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense from their perspective because they probably make a lot of money off of it. And I don't begrudge them for doing that. But from a player, collector, whatever standpoint, it I think it's too much to keep up with. And you kind of just have to say, like, I'm just going to ignore like 50 percent of these random things that are that they're doing and just pretend they don't exist. Otherwise, like, it's just. You know, it'll destroy your sanity trying to keep up with everything. Now, I think. So, yeah, yeah, oh, I agree with you. And some, so uh, to jump off a little bit what you're talking about to add to it, actually, um, another thing that I've I've seen is um, whether I don't really understand the economy of magic, and I don't want to pretend that I do, but I do want to bring up something. You're not a you're not a magic economy expert. I thought we brought you on this cast because oh, yes. of your yeah. <laughs> but, but like in real life, I've just seen the trend that magic cards cost more now. And I don't know what that reason is. Is it just because the people that sell the cards get to make up the numbers? Like when this pro tour was a long time ago, it was Atlanta. And I think it was still called a pro tour at the time. And I bought Jade Light Rangers for $20 a piece. That was ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um, Mm. That it cost $20. That's the one I keep bringing up because I just, when the week before that we played at Grand Prix, New Jersey, and I played a red, white, pretty much just rares and mythic deck. And that deck cost $700. Yeah, but to be fair, like it it was was right after a set release. Cards are definitely inflated immediately after release. Jade Light dropped back down to three dollar range or whatever. Yeah, and Jade Light was that popular because everybody was playing green black at the time, and it's just supply and demand. When everyone's buying the card, the value of it skyrockets. I I still think that prices are are up. But the big thing for digital, I just want to bring up something on digital. 
arena like we already saw that on magic online some of the standard car prices were kind of uh, absurd like brazen bar was 50 dollars, for example and um there's a few other ones that were high and now with the release of of draft a person draft on arena they're going to have way less drafts on magic online mm -hmm. and um i don't know what the numbers actually look like i haven't looked into this but i fear that like card prices of sets are you know especially sets that need people to you know you need these cards to play like you know how throne of Eldraine kind of just was like you have to play all these cards like this set has <laughs> a new dual cycle that you have to play it with if you play tri-color tri there's a lot of things that are really good in this set that might have to get played not a lot of the cards but like uh, a decent amount i'm just wondering like if that's another fatigue that's going to happen where it's not just that their decks are becoming invalidated it's that buying into the new stuff is so costly yeah, but yeah. that kind of, that ties in with the fact that like you buy a modern deck and now you have your deck, and if new sets are coming out that constantly are adding cards, even just adding cards to your deck, that is an extra thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But one thing I will say that I've noticed since just Arena came on is standard cards are quite cheap on Magic Online, just because most people play standard on Arena. Now, Brazen Barra is like an exception because that card is being played in Modern. And it's being played, you know, like anytime one of those expensive standard cards, it the reason it's expensive is because it's making it to these uh, pioneer uh, modern eternal formats. But otherwise, if it's just a standard card, I find it to be so cheap. Well, but online. That's, that's but not many people play standard on there. That's what I'm saying. These sets are released, yeah. but these new sets have higher impacts and older formats. Yeah. So they're hitting these formats harder, like um, and because people aren't opening as much on Magic Online to do drafts then the the supply is low and the demand is high and then we have surging prices but um, i wonder if like the bots just buy packs open them and then sell them so that still keeps well, the economy on magic online even or well, well basically the way that it works for for pack prices on magic online is if the value of individual cards exceeds the value of pack prices then bots just start opening packs and selling the cards and mm -hmm. then the prices and then the price shifts until it's even again, or you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, so. it is very self-correcting. It's just that certain cards sometimes just have high high price tags, and when you have to like not only switch your deck in Pioneer Modern, but you also have these expensive cards. I don't know what prices look like right now. Let's. Yeah, I, I'm sorry for bringing it up because I, I should have like educated myself on it, but I just wanted to add that to um, mm -hmm. this discussion. But let's let's actually talk about the first thing. Now we've got two topics left about. Um, companions and let's talk like fan talk because because of all of these issues that people are having in these different formats banning companions or altering companions have been just twitter yeah uh, no kidding or twitch yeah or twitch in in my twitch feeds yeah but that's to a lesser extent people just want our opinions but yeah on t my twitter feed is literally just COVID 19 and companion ban talk that's yeah that's all that's all it is every day and one of them, uh, one of them is a global pandemic, and then the other one is COVID nineteen. <laughs> wow! I'm glad we can laugh uh, along with cry about it now. Yeah, yeah. We we got to do a little laughing to make ourselves feel better, right, boys? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. What what do you think about that, Corey? What do you think about all the band talk? 
You know, honestly, like I, I respect that people want to be so involved in it, but I, I just, I personally hate it because every time I log on to a stream or whatever, everyone asks just like, oh, do you think Luris is way too good? Jairuda is going to ruin standard and stuff like this. We need to ban this now. And it's like, okay, just take a step back and look at Gyruda, look at the trend of it. And it's like, okay, first it was just insane. Like you said on day one, but then people realize, oh yeah. I'm playing Mystical Dispute. I just have to have a plan to beat this deck. And then it's not that big of a deal. And then the deck goes down in popularity. It's like people just have to take a step back and do what we had to do in Magic before they banned everything, like in 2019. And that's, oh, you know, play sideboard cards that are directed towards these companions. Like Garuda is a sorcery speed, six mana blue card. How hard is it to really beat a strategy like that? Just play four Mystical Disputes in your blue deck. You know, play some main, whatever. You can do stuff to adjust to them. And same with Luris. Luris is something that it, the decks are very narrow and they're very one-sided because of the deck restrictions. So it's like, I'm playing against Garuda. I'm playing against Luris. And when I play against Garuda, I know I'm not going to get Mystical Disputed. That's a very big sigh of release and it's a huge weakness for them. And Luris, it's the same kind of way. You know, you're not going to see Mayhem Devil picking off my certain creatures. So I, I'm able to play maybe Innkeeper again to beat Luris or, you know, maybe that's not a great example. But there's plenty of ways to pivot to beat these strategies because they're so one-sided instead of just saying, hey, we have to ban this. This is the only solution for these kind of things. So it, it kind of grinds my gears personally. I really like just trying to solve the problems first before we just say, hey, we got to nail think, these I to think, the yeah. wall. I think, I think, I, I was going to say, I think, I think that's a perfect rant, honestly. Like I, I completely agree with you in every aspect. I, I despise magic players. Sky is falling Everything is the worst thing ever. Every yeah. like just everything gets exaggerated to just like I broke the format. Like, like I mean, just everything yeah. a magic player says is just such an exaggeration. It's yeah. it's just it, it just grinds on you. It's just so annoying. Like people just relax a yeah. little bit. Just be don't have to exaggerate everything to make a point on things. And well, I don't yeah. I, I don't even know if that's just a magic player thing. I think so. So here's here's my. <clears throat> bullshit rant to go off of this to try to explain it um a little bit i'll try to make it as fast as possible so magic is is a weird game in the fact that the professional money is starting to increase right but forever we've been conditioned as pro players or whatever that we also have to market and make content and and while like the bachelor's podcast isn't that kind of content that we're living off of we make it because we like it we have fun there are good paychecks for pros. And we also don't make any money from it. Yes, also we don't make any money from it. But like there, there are, you know, like I, I have written articles and made content. I've moved both Corey and I and you have moved to, to Star City to make the Versus series. And while we enjoyed making that content, that was a paycheck. You know, that, 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 that helped us with our professional careers and made sure that if we had a bad season, we would have something to fall back on. And yep. because of that, we've all become content creators. Now, Content creation is a very competitive world. And also, people are so conditioned now that they don't care about nuance. They don't care about medium. They want to read about the skies falling in hyperbole and stuff like that in their five-minute looks at, at their phone. We're so conditioned for, um, what is it, endorphin hits or not endorphin? Is it endorphin? Dopamine hits. We're so conditioned to have these, like, they, these, these short bursts when we look at our phones and look at our, our tablets and stuff like that. That, you know, it, it makes sense to me, even though I roll my eyes, when I look at Twitch 
it's just, you know, the top three people streaming. If it's not day nine on that day, it's just like best deck in the format, best deck in the format, best player, world champion, whatever, you know, like it's, it's just the marketing to world champions roommate, like world champions. Yeah. roommate. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm still pretty tilted about that. So Corey, I stole Brian's uh, world's trophy and put it in my background. Okay. And now yeah. one person has brought it up, so now I just feel fraudulent. Now I just feel wow. like I now people just assume that I won that, even though I, you know, <laughs> I've never won a goddamn thing in my life. Well, um, I mean, Brad, you you didn't take into account one very big factor for that. No one cares about my career. No, no one. It's been too long since BBD won. Nobody cares about BBD's accomplishment anymore. Oh, oh. oh. but also very accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to say one thing, too, about like what Corey was saying. It's like every one of these cards tells you what their drawback is. Like it tells you on the card how to beat the yeah. card. Like, uh, you know, and you know it before you keep your opening hand, you know? Yeah. No, like, that's a so big like, thing. I, I, I'm mulligan hands based on seeing Lurus. Yeah, Same. Got, I, I had an opening hand of like two Elspeth Conquers Death against a Lurus deck. I was like, well, shipping that one back. Yeah, yeah. Gyru- Gyruda <laughs> tells you you're not going to deal with an odd mana cost card. So you yeah. know already how to beat it. Like anything that requires or, you know, not requires, but like where an odd odd CMC card is going to be good, you know it's not going to happen. Like you yeah, can, like you a can dispute, exploit that. The biggest thing, you know, yeah. I mean, also the, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but does isn't Graph Digger's Cage? Doesn't that uh, have an effect on that too, or is that not work? Oh, on both of them, yeah. yeah. It, it shuts them both down, yeah. and, and yeah. also hits um, some of the other effects. It hits like the Winota deck, and also it stops the um, what's the one one black green mythic that can search the library? It stops that. Oh, Fiend Artisan, yeah. Fiend Artisan, yeah. Artisan, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Graf- and it stops Winota, which is kind of degenerate. Um, mm-hmm. So Graf Digger's Cage is a very common cyborg card now. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, these, there's, there's counterplay exists. I mean, we've I, I, we've yelled at Watsi for years to put counterplay in sets for these situations, yeah. and they finally started doing it, and it's actually relevant. Like, 10 years ago, we had to play sideboard hate for decks. I know that in the last few years, <laughs> sideboards are just a hodgepodge of random shit for transformation, but... That's not the yeah. way that magic. That's not the way that magic always. Magic didn't used to be like that, and people are just like, "Oh, I can't. Oh man, I I, I can't. I can't afford to play three graph diggers cages on my board. They're so narrow. Yeah. It's like you used to have to do that every format. Like I don't know. It's just it, yeah. it blows my mind. But I'm with you. And one last rant from me is like, you know, these companions and the metagame that we're seeing so far just really leaves for a lot of opportunity to metagame specific tournaments. You know, whatever companion is kind of on top or whatever two companions is the big thing. Like it really opens the door for a really good uh, metagaming sideboard plan. And I think people just don't want to do that and put the time and, and thought into it. They just want to say these things are too powerful. Let's ban them. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've, I totally lost my train of thought. I had, oh, I had it, Brian. I just wanted to bring up. I was thinking about Baby Shark. I'm not gonna lie. Um, um, <laughs> Someone's been playing about, Shark Typhoon a lot. But what are you thinking well, about thirty to fifty feral hogs? Because it's still on my mind. It's all I can think about. <laughs> so, so you brought up the whole like transformational cyborg stuff, and and nothing brings more to that is. Playing decks with three Aethergust main and two Chemisters Insight in the sideboard. I oh, just, yeah. That makes me laugh because that's like shit that I've been doing a lot lately. It's just <laughs> playing the Gust main and the Chemisters Insights in the board. 
having a main deck sideboard hate too i mean that's that's had to happen in the magic's past too it's not like i ate cards like aether gust or whatever i don't think it's that big of a deal if those have to be main decks but i don't think aether gust is technically a main decking that doesn't say that like we have to main deck hate it's that when hate gets too good i think aether gust and um to an extent you know autumn or veil of summer were both a little pushed variants of these effects they encompass too much of the game. I I, yeah. I disagree completely. I think those are the effects. Well, I think uh, Veil was too good. Just draw a card on yeah. a, just it. Just had draw a card on a, on a one mana card that also did everything else. That that's just a problem with the flaw of putting draw a card on cards. But I, I think mm-hmm. that put, putting the power into cards like Gust is like where the power should be in cards in a format because. The power is almost always on the threats themselves. That putting the power in the answers is like it's just a balancing act. That oh oh no, I agree. I'm just yeah. saying that the, the the net that it cast was super wide. Yeah, like it, okay, it's yeah, yeah. It, and its ability to interact with spells and permanents. Um, yeah, you know, it it was. I'm not saying that it, I like Gust. I think that I think Mystical Dispute, Aether Gust, and Teferi are keeping this format together. I think without oh, yeah. those three cards, this format would be even more of a shit show. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. people are complaining about, you know, the, the bridge that they're standing on, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'll have a hot take though. Like I, I honestly think Aether Gust is not that great right now. And oh, no, Mystical Dispute is absolutely busted, but yeah, no, Aether Gust is yeah. being moved to cyborgs again and it'll come back to mm-hmm. mains in certain metagames and stuff like that. But um, yeah, Mystical that, Dispute is the main card now, I feel. Oh, Mystical Dispute is just Chef's Kiss. Mm. Oh, Chef's Keys. I love it. I love yeah. it. So, um, you know, but because of because of these ban talks, I just want to bring up another topic on this, is mm-hmm. instead of banning, I'll, I've seen a lot of people talking about potential rules change. Now, we're in a very weird spot where because of stay-at-home orders, you know, we're not, this set isn't releasing to local game stores until May. And so we have a month to play this uh, digitally before we start touching the cards. And it might even get pushed back further. Who knows? Because yeah. who knows how the next month goes? Um, yeah. So because of that, um, people are talking about just changing the rules to begin with. Now, the weird thing is Commander or Companion, excuse me, doesn't actually have text um, on the cards or something people are talking about that they could just change how Companion works um, without having to have to change what's written on the card specifically. Um, and, and which is a weird, I don't know if that's all true, but anyway, I mean, there's, but I mean, there is reminder text on companion on these cards. There's yeah. the restrictions for them, but, but it, it also tell sa- you, it says if, if this card is your chosen companion, you may cast it once from outside the game. That's, that's the other text that it has on there. Yes. And maybe like you could add rules to it without having to erase stuff though. Um, but uh, well, so it seems like a nightmare. Oh, I mean, I, I, I get what you're it. saying, but it seems like a horrible nightmare for like people that are just playing, you know, their fun tournaments or whatever. Like pro players will be established if there was an errata on the the companions. But yeah, I, I the people that just play it, it would be really rough. I, I feel I should have prefaced this. I don't agree with any of these, but I do want to bring them up and, and shed a light on this mm-hmm. because like Michael Jacob said, he suggests for companion fixes. Uh, you can't play them from exile. Instead, if you would draw a card, you draw your companion instead. Um, and that avoids Lion Eyes Diamond shenanigans and, and isn't an eight-card hand and things like that. Well, that would be a cool fix, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
it would cause so many clicks on arena we would all hit it it's like it's like half a cat combo every turn every draw step yeah you know and honestly i mean if we're trying to avoid lion's eye diamond shenanigans and stuff it just seems very obvious that just okay luris is just too good for those formats ban it in those formats and let it run free in standard pioneer modern and stuff yeah, you know it's it but it's also that was just an example but it could be for other formats yeah. also people are saying that if you play companion you only start with six cards which sounds like they would just become jokes because part of the advantage is making a weird deck so you can get an advantage yeah um remove companion ability from them before the release that's another one of the ideas like there's there's just like a bunch of these rules change ideas and i just do not like any of this discussion um yeah. the pandora's box is open companions exist um yeah. we, it's the same as band talk to be honest it's the exact same they're trying to nerf the ability instead of just trying to build decks that metagame around these companions yeah. it's also worse than band i don't think it's uh not not worse but like it's less feasible than banning band talk like changing the entire rules of the game around a specific yeah. card is kind of an absurd thing to set to suggest like and think of all the software they have to change on magic online and arena to do so like it would be a nightmare and there's well, no fucking chance they ever do it you well, know yeah, there's no chance they ever do it it's just people talking i don't know yeah i don't know why they they i mean it's just people wanting to have conversations online i think I, I mm -hmm. would be shocked if the people that want to change the rules actually think that they'll get the rules changed. Yeah. Um, and and that's you know that's 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 here nor there though that doesn't matter. To, I mean, to some, me, all to me, all that I read from like Michael Jacobs thing is he just lost to a double lion's eye turn one guy Ruda, and he's like, screw <laughs> this, I I want this change. No, you know, like, no, <laughs> I mean, no, it, yeah, it, it's it's a reasonable conversation. I, I was mostly kidding, but I mean, like the, the I, I mean the companions definitely have a massive impact on the game, and and they they there's some of them that are almost certainly too good in older formats, so. It's certainly reasonable to bring up, you know, those kinds of discussions. I don't think we like we should say like, oh, people should like shouldn't talk about that kind of stuff. But it's like when it comes to like you want to errata eight or I guess it's ten cards. You want to errata ten cards before a set is even released. Like that is just a nightmare from the perspective of like everyone <laughs> just the game itself it's like yeah. you go to a, like somebody goes and they open this card in a booster pack and they try to play it in a tournament it's like actually the words printed on the card don't reflect what the card actually does and it's yeah. like the person's like I, I, it's just a nightmare from like a magic perspective not everything is for competitive players who keep up with everything and would be able to immediately know how everything changes yeah. like there are other people who play Magic too. You can't just change the rules of the game um, because cards aren't like balanced the way you want them to, to be. And honestly, one of the one of the best example of something they've already done for that is like you know when the Planeswalker abilities used to be able to redirect to other Planeswalkers. That's errated now. So like some Planeswalkers have like when they tick up the ability, you can redirect it to other Planeswalkers and some don't like Sahili that can't like that's already confusing enough. And that was a very minor change on their part that they snuck in like last year yeah, or whatever. I have no right? idea how like Chandra Torch defines works with other Planeswalkers. Not a clue. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't do anything to them. It doesn't, but some things do. Like some things that say deal damage to target player, they've errated that where it's to target player or um, planeswalker. But if it says each opponent, like Sahili and Chandra, it's only the player. Yeah. That's the you know, and even that's confusing as hell enough, and that's already bad for the game. Well, so why would we put companions? You know? It just as target creature player or planeswalker. 
Exactly, but already that is enough of a confusion that it probably causes problem at like your local FNM or whatever of people that just didn't know that and aren't really enfranchised in uh, Magic. You and, know? That, and that's a sweeping rules change designed to clean the way Magic plays as a whole, which is way yeah. different than specifically changing rules for 10 specific cards. Like, exactly. Th- those are two like, you know, the yeah, like the, those are different things like. They that's that's them trying to make the rules easier for people to understand, which is a, a very good goal. And it required mm-hmm. some like back upkeep on it. That's a little bit confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just straight up changing 10 cards and how they work. I, I don't know. Like I. The the one where they change how companion works for stuff that, about stuff that's not printed on the card itself like that, that might have some traction there because uh, that's something that could possibly change without a, a big problem. But when it comes to things like. Uh, removing companion from the cards uh, themselves or changing like what's printed on the cards themselves. I just, I think that's like, there's no way that can, that's going to be a yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, Cause you said it right. You know, you're like, that was a minor change to make the game better. And it was kind of confusing. Compa- this companion uh, example would just be so much worse and so much more confusing. Yeah. Like one of the things that you said, Brian, you know, is like, the game isn't about you. It's actually not about competitive players much at all. Like they want to facilitate us, but there's there's so little of us compared to all the magic players out there mm-hmm. and that we forget that. And even just the design of companions themselves, they weren't thinking about competitive players when they were like, let's put commanders in standard. Yeah. Like, you know, let's let's put it in in one-on-one play, 60 card deck play. Like let's let's actually make commanders for this. And, and of course they're not brawl, same thing. You know, they, they create the format. They're not making that a competitive format and that's not as intrusive as com- companions are into the competitive atmosphere. And, 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 I, and Oh, go for it. I just want to say that from a casual standpoint, this is one of the coolest things they've done in a very long time. And I imagine that uh, companions are going to be incredibly successful, successful for them in every aspect of the game outside of specifically competitive yeah, play. I mean it's gonna be I, hard to hit the metrics because of COVID. Oh for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that throws a wrench into things where it's impossible to know um yeah. you know how things perform because there's you know that, so, that I mean, it, just, over it, just, but. it just makes sense though because commander was already like one of the most popular format you look at versus live and commander versus live they destroy us in youtube views because people love commander yeah, and this I is like bringing those players why. to i don't know if it's okay like, maybe it's because we suck at our host. job okay Bradley? yeah it's yeah. only it's, it's, actually, it's actually only one of the hosts it's not yeah. you know what i i really think it was the building block hosts like the people who really started you know the brian Brondoons and the brads of the world I, that I really know, just bro- Brian, you know. That Brian Brown doing in Brad versus series, we had a lot of hits. That's <laughs> true. Hey Brian, hey Brian, I, I I chump attacked you a bunch. What do you think I got in my hand? Uh, probably a siege rhino. Is it a siege rhino? Yeah, <laughs> do, I think do it you is. Have any idea what we're talking about, Corey? Well, I'm guessing you played Siege Rhino and versus Live so, a lot. I don't know. We, obviously, Brian and I loved Obzon, and so we had uh, we had Siege Rhino in a lot of our decks, and we okay. would. We would there was so many games that started to become a meme that we would pretty much punt a game until we knew we 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 could still win with an active siege rhino in our hand. The idea is that we would <laughs> our opponent would be at three or less life, and we'd have a siege rhino that was lethal, and we would slow roll the lethal by going through everything else that could happen in that turn before yeah. just then playing the rhino. The first, the first time it happened was great because Brian attacked. Well, I'm glad the content hasn't changed because we do that all the time yeah, as Bri- well. <laughs> Brian, Brian made this big attack 
and I was at three life and I tapped like, out. I assume. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I had spells in hand. I had stuff to react and he had mana and two cards. So I like actually talked through, I, I mean, Brian, you got so fortunate for this one because, <laughs> because he had a land and a siege rhino. And I went through every iteration of Dramoka's command and obs on charm to line up the perfect blocks. And it took like five minutes. And then he said, damage? And I'm like, yes. Everything on his board dies and he just goes, siege rhino. Yeah. I was like, damage? Okay, throw my entire board in the yard. Rhino you, you're dead. Yeah. And then it became yeah, sounds about and right. then it became a counter meme where we wouldn't have the rhino and we would go through the entire motions as though we were slow rolling the rhino. Yes, yes yeah. I wow. the evolution of it. Yeah. We, we pretty much had a meta siege rhino thing going for like three months. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Okay, you're time. right. Your guys' content was better. That sounds gas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it's not a competition. But ours but was I'd be way losing. Yeah. better. Yes. Way better. No, I'm just All right, but we, we kind of touched on this, so I just want to shine yeah. some light on this, Brian, as as our expert on play design. Right. Yeah, most Marvel. You, yeah, let's actually let's actually get why we're paying you the small bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. As an expert on card design, why the hell did you make these cards, Brian? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so do you do you like or dislike that they were printed? And is there any aspect of them? Mainly what I'm asking you is is to is twofold. Do you like that they are printed, and do you think that future play, like future design, should care about the older formats? Yeah. So, uh, that the, the, those are both really good questions, and I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't have the answers. Like, I I can provide my own opinion on them, which I've thought That's about, perfect. but. Whether or not this is a correct opinion, like I, I honestly have no idea. I'm not, I'm not the expert here, and I don't think. Wait, 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 wait. What? You're not. The yes, expert. you are. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I uh, misspoke. I am the wait, expert wait, here. Wait, what, David? What? What are you doing? <laughs> All right. So, uh, on the question of should these cards be printed, um, I, I think it, it, it kind of varies. Like the answer is yes that they should print cards like this that uh are exciting you know like people see these cards and they get excited about them i I think that in particular companions are awesome cards because for a variety of reasons uh one they make deck building fun to find to like figure out how to build your deck to fit these restraints um they give brewers new ideas on how to build decks cards like yorion for example where now you're playing 80 card decks like that that's like all that stuff's really cool it really broadens the range of cards that are playable and standard where like I had never thought about this really that much, but it's like anytime you play standard, there's a very small subset of cards in the format that you can actually play in the format because those are the only ones that are good enough. And companions like massively broaden which cards are playable in a format because once you're adding restrictions, you have to dig deeper to find cards that fit those restrictions. And even like, even just beyond Yorion with an 80 card deck where it's like, oh, now we have to play 20 more cards. That's going to make more cards playable. But if you can only play even cards, then that's going to make a lot more cards playable um, for that deck. Or if you can only play odd cards, a lot more cards playable. Like suddenly we're playing 20 percent of the cards in a format instead of 5 percent. Uh, so I think that is uh, a big benefit of these cards um, is that they're going to keep things exciting. They're going to keep things fresh. They're going to give people a chance to brew all these decks. Like it's it's really awesome for people that aren't maybe specifically the hardcore competitive crowd. 
So I think the answer is yes, they should print cards like this. Um, now, when it comes to older formats, the question is like, should they be constantly printing cards that are good enough to see play in older formats? And there's, I think, a line there because if they never print cards that impact modern or legacy, um, which was the case for a long time where like every set would come and go and there maybe be one card or zero cards that would like actually be good enough for those formats. And uh, p- people don't like that either. Like that's not fun either where it's the same burn deck for two years straight with no changes that's still tier two or Tron is tier one indefinitely and it never gets a new card and the decks that are trying to beat Tron never get new cards. Uh, that That's also boring and people don't like that. So there there is a line there of they should be printing cards that affect older formats, but it probably shouldn't be that your format is changing with every set release. So... Honestly, like some some amount of balance is key, but yeah, I, I do think that they should be printing cards like this. And then when it comes to considering cards for older formats, I I think it is incredibly difficult for play design to be able to uh, base their designs on older formats because it's just an impossibility to test for them. Well, um, if if I could just add something, yeah. To that. Yeah, jump in whenever. For, um, all sure. of this has been fantastic, David Watt. I apologize. That is our special guest screener, and that was a great, a great soapbox. So, so thank you for all of that, Brian. You you are definitely worth bringing it on for the zero dollars you'll make for this. Um, Wait, zero? Yes. Corey zero. told Corey told me I had to pay him fifteen bucks to be on the episode. Okay, I can give you fifteen dollars. That's cool. All right, we're, thank we're you. Good with all that, right. we're good with that. Um, <laughs> wow, so, this, there's some under the table action going on here. I feel betrayed. Anyway, all right, yeah. so so uh, what what I was going to say about the older testing, there's there's it's twofold, right? Because um, it it'll cost them so much more money to do appro- appropriately. Like they would have to probably what increase play design by five hundred percent to effectively test all the formats in in the given windows of of set design. Right, a set comes out every three months. It's just or, uh, roughly, and there's a it's just not. Thing possible honestly i think yeah it's not possible without a ton of people and then yeah with that many people trying to make a set if we had to balance a set for every format i bet it would look like fucking fifth edition yeah it would look like yeah it would it honestly would like like number one at like once you get back to older formats the complexity level increases like exponentially too where i just i don't even think it is possible um like where like the difference between how many cards are in modern versus standard is it like 15 times or you know it's way more than that but it's like yeah maybe maybe it's like 10 15 20 times more cards in modern than standard um like that that complexity doesn't increase linearly with that many more cards it's kind of almost more exponentially because there's so many different combinations that can work with each other that it, it like how many you know once a set releases and Tens of thousands of people are playing countless games with it. The magic community as a whole. How many play design people do you need for a month's worth of testing to equal one day of the magic community as a whole? Like it, it's, it's hundreds, thousands, probably like that's just not feasible. So no. I, I honestly, I just think it's, it's, it's a Herculean task. That's impossible. Now they could do like a cursory check, you know, like if they're going to print, splinter twin and you know if they're going to print like some card that is like absurd with um already the best deck in modern they can say like okay we're printing something that's going to break modern and then they have to weigh 
is it worth printing this card? It's going to break modern, um, but it's going to be a net positive on standard. And I think most of the time it's probably still worth printing that card and just banning it in modern and then just having a fun standard format because I think standard's way more big, big of a deal for them than modern. So I Yeah, know. I mean, it's definitely their cash cow for just arena in general. You know, I mean, so it makes total sense that they focus on that. And then if they have to ban stuff and the other thing, it doesn't seem that bad to ban in a format to ban stuff as long as they keep an eye on it because the people that love vintage the people that love legacy you know they're probably just like wow this really sucks you know i don't want to play against this constantly so i think they just have to be pretty vigilant about banning stuff in those formats if it's just absurd and the games aren't fun you know let's ignore the the breaking a format um yeah concept and let's just say that it changes the landscape right it's good but it's not broken so i just want to bring up one thing and this is this is my own opinion. This is not anything. Um, I'm, I'm not putting this on the other two guys. I just my own opinion. Um, I I just think that we have to con- continue to understand that Wizards is a company owned by a corporation. And when it comes to older formats, if the set doesn't impact the older formats, they lose out on money. And if the set completely changes the landscape, they make more money. And Mm -hmm. so, and if they have to test it to make sure it doesn't break it, they lose money. And so it's, it's just in their best interest to make sure that they don't damage the format, um, in any way that they could consider, but they also don't know if like all of this upheaval of new archetypes is going to do damage. It just looks like things are exciting and new and fresh and people are building new decks as opposed to saying, you know, oh, I'm bringing Tron back because now finally Jund is back before Amulet was back. And, you know, just keep iterating on cards like Fulminator Mage and bullshit. Mm-hmm. On which cards you play in your sideboard and stuff like that. Um, and and so, it, like, as a company, they're I feel like they're kind of conditioned to enjoy older formats changing with new sets. Yeah, there's there's a give and take there. Like what you said is entirely correct. Um, it, it can be kind of a short term uh, viewpoint, though, because if they constantly do that kind of stuff and consumer confidence gets destroyed, then in the long term, it's going to hurt them, even though they probably made more uh, money in the short term. So there, there is like a little bit of a give and take there. But yeah, in general, I agree with you. I don't actually mm-hmm. agree with that. Um because the thing is, is the numbers, there's two things that I'm seeing both climb. And it's the number of players that Wizard says play the game. Uh, I don't have any other fact check on that. And the number of people that complain about the game. Now, I'm not condoning, <laughs> I'm not condoning the, the, uh, the actions and the sets that came out in 2019. I, I'm not. I think that they were a little overpowered. I think, that, I, uh, yeah, they they've made con they've made a ton of mistakes, and I'm sure there were. I mean, this is the first time they've done companions. I don't know if they plan on doing more, but you know, they certainly had the dials wrong on these too in some regards. Yeah, and 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 I and I hope that they are going to fix some of the issues because I still thought it was so funny that now in an irrelevant tournament, which was the Mythic Point Challenge that Brian and I played. We both barely tested because we were doing our, our our month there and we didn't get a lot of time testing. And we just played a practically a, a Throne of Eldraine block constructed deck, sub the, the the mana base, and we both got our 10 wins out of it. You know, like they're, you know, Team or Clover is a block deck. Yeah. In a, in a mm-hmm. format with seven sets and or at least six at the time. And it was hyper competitive. 
Um, so yeah, there were some dials missed on that set and, the, and that thing. But where, where I'm going with that is, you know, magic to grow and to be a more successful biz like game that is good for a company owned by a corporation probably doesn't have just their small competitive subset in mind. They're trying to yeah. grow the game and to grow the game, it's going to bring in more casuals and our cool little niche. And I'll agree pro tours meant so much more to me back in the day. Mythic and championships. No pro tours. meant so much more to me <laughs> than mythic championships, even though I have made more in the last year and a half off of mythic championships than I ever did on the pro tour in my 10 years yeah. on the pro tour. Um, and, and I still look at a Mythic Championship, and it does not mean the same thing than a Pro Tour. But that doesn't It doesn't mean, feel the same, that's for sure. Yeah. It doesn't feel yeah. the same. But that might be that that era and that thing that I had and I held these sacred bonds to had a an intangible value that I created along with the community. As yes. I was growing and maturing within, the, within, within. And that does not mean that that value that I put on that has more value than the new players coming in and the way they look at competitive magic and they look at organized play. I'm not condoning every action that organized play has made. I'm not even condoning some of the things. I I, I think that there are a lot of issues that hopefully get fixed during this break from organized play at a professional level. But what, what I will say is that I'm probably putting a little bit too much <laughs> emphasis on my the opinions I've created on my career. Yeah. So, Brad, I have a I have a quick question for you re regarding your career. Yeah. Um, do you think you like the pro tours so much because your first pro tour you were unveiled by walking on the red carpet for winning a daily event? Hey, there was <laughs> multiple daily events. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. PEs at the time. Yeah. I, 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 premier event. <laughs> I, I think Brad's point is incredibly good. Like I, I, oh, yeah. I completely agree with what you said. Um, there's a lot of history and a lot of uh, nostalgia and there's a lot of emotional attachment people have for the pro tour because of um, how the impact has had on their lives, the friends they've made from it, all this other stuff. And people are sad to see it, to see it change or see it go for that reason. But yeah. That like I, I think people are clinging to that desperately and are unwilling to see like the, are kind of unwilling to change because they put so much value into like that that like intangible stuff when like the new like new systems might just be better than that and it's and I yeah. think some people will never agree that a new system is better because they have that emotional attachment but magic. And competitive magic might just be better off with a different crowd of players in a different system than the old guard. And yes, it hurts as an old guard player to hear that, but that just might be the case. Like magic just might be better. Competitive magic might be better if that's the case. And so yeah. I don't know. It's just I, pe people, people put so much value in tradition, clinging to the past, all that other stuff. I don't think that that like there, what's there's no value to Watsi in that, and there might also just be no value to competitive magic in that either. You know, well, what I'm saying here, like, yeah. Here's the deal for me, um, and and you're you're actually hitting some chords that that really resonate with me. Um, a lot of people say they love the Pro Tour, right? A, a lot of the old guard, right? But like part of the Pro Tour experience was the testing houses that none of us really even want to do anymore. Yeah. Right. We don't even want to go spend a, a week or two in a house grinding out all the hours on it. We kind of just want to build our decks because they're, you know, some of them are digital anyway. 
and go to the tournaments. Um, for the first time ever, I, you know, all three of us left on Thursday for the last players regional players tour. Corey couldn't because of storms, but that would have never happened to you if this was two years ago. Oh yeah, we, we would have been in the house for two weeks. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we would have been in the yeah. city forever. And so that's already a thing. And and I'm I honestly believe that one of the least healthy things. Well, it's weird. It's a give and take. I want a turn a changing of the guard with competitive magic, and I mm -hmm. want even a bigger one. But the problem with magic is I actually think that the skills that we have gained over years in our career are so valuable that it's just harder for these youngins to come in and dethrone us. I think that just the skill sets and the connections and and things like that are so strong, which is why we see so many of us like getting into our 30 year olds now continuing to stay at the top of magic because all of our experiences continue to hold true. And the people that have only played for five years don't have the same value that we have for 15. And that is a completely different thing for an esport than most other of the digital games. It's the 18 year olds that come in that you know all of their responses are faster so they're better at these games yeah and yeah. also also magic is a game of connections too it's not just mm -hmm. a game of skill that's like that's in fact trying to say that yeah yeah i was just I, I know you were i was but mostly clarifying but it's like who you know and who you team up with and like who you work with and the lessons that you learn from those people is is oftentimes more important than just how good you are at the game so yeah, it's hard to break into for players, one, because the skill gained takes so long to acquire. And it's not it's not a speed. It's not how fast you are. It's how much, you know, and also it's who, you know. So, yeah. And, and the problem with the who, you know, is even if you know one of these players, one of the biggest problems. And I'm just going to bring this up uh, to a lot of aspiring pros. And just so they know that, like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But one of the biggest issues with who, you know, is. I'm on, let's say I'm on a pro, an MPL testing team. There's eight of us in the MPL, right? Or not even, let's say six of us and two people that we test with that are rivals or, or not even in the OP structure. I mm -hmm. might, you might be mm -hmm. my best friend and you're starting to, and you just qualified for a tournament, but I need to run it by all of them. And why would they be interested in that? Because the moment that that floodgate is open, then all of a sudden you have 16 people and it's a mess. And people don't yeah. know each other. So it's even it's tough because you kind of also have to either get to that level on your own and then start networking or you network with people at your level and you build each other up. I mean, honestly, the the cathartic uh, uh, Chris cathartic kind of thing is kind of like that, right? Like he didn't have anybody. He just had like his one friend he test with for every tournament. And he is amazing. You know, I mean, he he put in the work and now he's going to be able to network to these pro teams uh, with what he's done. But he is kind of an, an anomaly, I feel, you know? Yeah, I mean, he still has to he still has to get those networks and, and meet and whoever he finds, you know, we'll see where he lands. But like, I'm just I'm not trying to say anything like I'm not saying there's a level of pretentiousness involved in this. I'm just saying it's a business. And yeah. and it's really hard to bring in, you know, anyone you want if you want to stay with who you're working with. Just I mean, it's just kind of like it's it's just how the world works. I don't think I'm saying anything that's like yeah. not I was 
I was just so fortunate that you uh, brought me with along on your journey with, you know, like the fact that like, well, you're so good and su such a good deck builder. It's like, well, we got to have Corey, too, because we really want Brad. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm thankful for that. I got fortunate <laughs> that everyone brought you in. But I also think that if yeah. you weren't a good guy to be around and great for 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 morale, there would have been a talk about it. Yeah, yeah but like you, yeah. you were you were you're always great in houses. And that's what helped, especially when houses mattered. And, yeah. and also, I never even made the ultimatum. I just, it was an ultimatum, but it was kind of like, I'm, I'm going to test with my brother and I hope we can do yeah. it with us. And it's not like, we're testing with my brother or else. It's like, I'm just not going to, yeah. I'm not going to enjoy going to a goddamn tournament without talking to my brother about it. Like, that's, yeah. that's just insane to me to, to even have as a concept, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really happy that houses don't matter anymore. I much prefer building hotels, so... Ooh, wait, you I thought wow. I thought the strategy was the houses that when yeah. you build the hotels, then I think you lose. That is that's true. You actually you actually just want to build the houses, yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> All right, we're now a Monopoly podcast. Yes. Uh so Park Place. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah. Well, I uh I, I think I I think it's uh quarantined off right now though. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you everyone, what do you think what yeah. do you think about uh, McDonald's and rigging the game? Right. Oh, oh my god, that. I just got done with McMillan McMillions. That was so good. It Holy was. crap. All right. Uh anybody who wants to watch a little uh, you know, uh conspiracy theory, check that out. Did it's you sweet. did you did either of you watch Tiger King yet? No. no. Watch Tiger King. Okay. You, you guys should start it now. It's I guarantee you after the first episode, you're gonna look at each other, go, what the fuck just happened? And then start <laughs> the next episode. I guarantee that's what's gonna happen. Well, I don't have time for that because I got to go play E-League, Bradley. That is Ooh. true. And hopefully you yeah. want it by the time that this episode comes out. You, we will know who uh, is the monarch of the episode. Yeah, or or more than likely, the the very obvious thing is Seth just chooses me as a speed bump again like last time. I so. don't know. This seems like a tough field. We'll see who actually wins it out. But um, yeah. you will be being uh, one of their uh, normal commentators for the shows, right? You play this first week. Yes. But then you'll yes, be a commentator. Yes. Yeah, I'll be a commentator next week and the week after with Mr. Riley Knight, which I'm so excited for. So I almost want to lose today. But to quote the great Huey, who I sent my deck list to because he wanted to try to play some games in, he said my deck is busted. So I'm pretty sure I'm just going to rock it. Did you did you break the format? Are they going to need to ban cards in your deck? <laughs> oh, yeah. Immediate. Yeah. To sum up all this shit, I played I'm playing uh, um, the the stupid Yorian deck and it needs to be banned immediately. So if you can take anything from it, let's ban these companions and get them the hell out of here. Actually, right. better than banning them. Let's unprint them. Let's just <laughs> yes. not have yeah. printed them. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So uh, that that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, I think that was a good talk on companions. We got all of our thoughts. Is there anyone that has any last Thoughts on companions that we haven't talked about? No, I don't right. think so. I think this was a, a nice little summary of, uh, you know, the power level of them in the older formats and, uh, you know, the way to maneuver around them in standard modern well, we don't pioneer. Have to we don't have to reiterate. Just saying well, if you have any I, last thoughts. I, I just did. We're on, I just we're on a clock for though. your E-League. All oh, right. So, oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. So without further ado, <laughs> let's talk about, uh, let's do our favorite part of the episode, which is the cast and crew. Now, if you don't know what the cast and crew is, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Podcast, and become a supporter of the podcast. Um, 
And one of those tiers is the cast and crew that uh, that just helps us with the show. Now, if you joined our Discord, you'll see that we put the cast and crew to work. So you are definitely getting your value out of the money you give us by working for us as well. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but to kick it off, our special guest who also does not get paid, but does not <laughs> uh, have to pay us. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I was under the impression I had to pay Corey. 15 but yeah yeah brad, we, we brad, that brad, shut up shut up dude <laughs> <laughs> all right so first member of our cast and crew is ej wren who is I love EJ wren. down player uh Corey's sometimes down player sometimes Corey gets a little too excited and we need ej to rein him in <laughs> he's really he's really a buzzkill man he's always trying to calm me down man <laughs> yeah i've been trying to do it for uh 28 years now so i hope ej and failed I failed. <laughs> that's why we hired someone all right so yeah. next up on our cast and crew is alex arnoldi uh of my favorite role who is the data analyst that's now right. if you don't know what a data analyst is we're not going to explain it no we're not it's a pg podcast oh, you're, you're, absolutely. Next, if, if you if you don't know what a data analyst is you're the butt of the joke so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, so our next person. Now, this is great. I'm going to give a little setup. All right. Okay. Please do. So, Paul has been on the cast, but we could never figure out how to pronounce his last name. Wait, Paul? Are you sure you pronounced that correctly? I did. I did. It's the last <laughs> okay. name. But, but for those who don't know, I got it right two weeks ago. Now, yeah. I am free, and now I never have to announce his name. But does Corey remember what I said? Oh we yeah, it, we I do for months. So let's see yeah. if Corey can get it right. Oh yeah, let's trust in Corey to say words right. I mean, here we go. Okay, so for what I remember from last week, there was a silent letter in in the name in the last name here, and I think I'm gonna nail it. Let All me right. know if you if right. if I get the right letter right. Okay, so it's Paul. Akzaroski. It's the first letter of silent. Is that right? <laughs> you nailed it. it. You got it. You got it. All right. All right. All right. Actually, I do think it is Paul Kakaroski. I think the Z is silent. <laughs> I, uh, but he is one of Kakaroski. Yep. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. That's I like definitely, it. That's, I like that's that. definitely correct. But he is one of the most important jobs and one of our most valued uh, members of the cast and crew. And it is BBD's wall staring photographer. BBD stares at a lot of walls. We need someone to uh, take these beautiful pictures. Speaking of beautiful, bald is beautiful. And I learned that from Spoontongue, who is BBD's hairstylist. And my hair is always styled to be non-existent. So. Just yes. beautiful. <laughs> great, 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 great job. Uh, Next up, we have I, the most important role, also our best performer, David Watt, special guest screener. Uh, never <laughs> misses a step. I'll tell you, you say a lot of people say things about David. You know, they say upstanding guy. You know, they say like, he, you know, just really good friend. But the one thing that you hear often is never misses a step. And that I think that's the key here is, you know, he never misses a step. He always nails that's, it with a special guest. That's interesting because so. I've yeah. thought of David as someone who's been checked out for many months now. Oh, OK. Yeah. Really, and, and 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 this applies to current state home orders really phones it in. OK, well, maybe David never misses a step because he never takes a step. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So next up we got Vic, Victor Bauchamp, and that is the executive producer now. We like to party. Yes, in fact, we do. We like no, to party. My, my name is Kevin, like and party. I like 
<laughs> My name is Brian, and I like to party. Yes. I'm Corey. I, too, like to party. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Victor allows us to do that, definitely sets it up for us. We go to Victor. We're like, we, we need to party. And he's like, I got it covered. Now, we have yet to have a party because none of us actually like partying. But when we do like to party, we've got Victor. Yeah. True, true. Okay, I got another, another tough one to pronounce here, so let me see if I can get this right. Uh, I believe it is Symbol, uh, and that is our uh, executive waste management operator. Whenever BBD just really has to go, but he's mid-podcast, you know, we, we need some waste to be managed. And and for this episode, it was waste of the mouth. Yeah. Yes, uh, as performed by me. Yeah, yeah. fortunately, we got <laughs> other people who can handle that as well, too. All right, next yeah. up, we have Rabbit Chicken, Vice President of Video Operations. Uh Really important for Corey, who is watching every episode of our podcast. Uh, thanks to Rabbit Chicken's countless efforts. So. Yeah, I never miss an episode. It's, it's visually <laughs> stunning. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got Jerry Majeldi, who is the assistant to the assistant regional manager. And yes, that is a very real uh, employee tag in in the Bash Bros LLC. And also <laughs> a correct pronunciation of the name too. Nailed it. All right. Next person, we got Sultan. Abbasy? I don't know. <laughs> I probably nailed that one. Uh, he is our heavy editor, so he can do some heavy editing on his own name from me butchering it there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's, that's going to be the first thing edited out by Sultan. So. Oh, yeah. Perfect. All right. We got Pierre Vendelbo. Pierre is our psychologist. So, but I, I actually think didn't didn't he get a role change? Is that am I mistaken on that? No, we, we, we were going to, but that, that we never got around to that meeting. Mm. We, we never, never did never it. Sit down. Yeah, we never, we never sit down with Pierre and talk about. Sounds like we we need better management. It huh? does. It, it, it sounds like we could really benefit from a manager. Yeah, and, yeah, and in fact, yeah. we do have one. Time Ghoul is uh, the BVP manager, uh, but very again hands off lately with you know the six feet order. Um, very hands off mm. manager. Six six feet. That's uh, really apt for someone whose name is Time Ghoul. Yeah, so, so I, I, my theory is that um, this is like one of those secession kind of things that Time Ghoul's been playing, really letting us just hang ourselves to try to get new employees, I'm guessing. The higher-ups are saying, like, you got to keep Brad, Brian, and Corey. But I think I think he's just letting us, like, tail off on our own and, and letting our letting us hang ourselves. He's yeah, taking, watching it explode from the inside. He's taking credit for the good things, blaming us for the bad, exactly. playing, it behind, playing it behind the scenes to ruin us. I see how it is. Yeah. Wait, so he's in he's in communications with Shaheen Sarani, our direct uh, uh, complaint line? Yeah. Oh, he's... <laughs> okay. They're in and our, cahoots, so... Our next person here, it's really exciting. You know, here at the Bash Bros Podcast, we like to uh, have a big cast and crew, but we also very much want to... Uh, you know, let people come up in the company. And uh, Eric Null just got a huge promotion within the company, went from the dumpster and is now the dump truck. So it's mobile in these times of need and just really doing some great work for us. So, And lastly, we have IPA for breakfast, which is our master bartender. Uh, all of our drink needs are provided by IPA for breakfast. Only yeah. during the hours of 6 a.m. to 11 a.m., though, unfortunately. I, I, I thought, and I've been using those services a lot. I thought Let me tell you, breakfast was our cater. I guess uh, Victor must have uh, gave him a more specific role in the company. Yeah, we, we must have. Yeah, yeah, we gotta we gotta change role change there. So perfect. Yeah, all right, yeah. well, he's a he's a drinkologist apparently. All right, yeah. well, that is our cast and crew, which means that that is the end of this week's episode. Now. 
for the rest of the week what you can expect from all of us i will still continue streaming Corey will be playing e-league and commentating it or playing it next week uh, along with uh his streams as well i'll be mm-hmm. uh playing in the jeff hooglandia uh standard tournament this weekend that uh, you can watch him do coverage of i'll be also streaming it while i play in the event um and oh Brian? bradley i also have something very exciting going on Ooh, what is that this Saturday, because I did a charity stream last weekend while I was playing the Lotus Box event, oh yes, uh, which was just a riveting success, um, and I hit my goal. And uh, to hit my goal, one of the things I would do was do a Goku and Ron Burgundy stream. So sometime this week, I will be cosplaying as Goku for half the stream and Ron Burgundy for the other Wait. half. So should be a fun stream. You're nice. Ron Burgundy? I'm... Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. Um, but yes, be fun. thank you for watching. Or Brian, excuse me, special guest. Is there anything yeah. that you have exciting happening in the next week? Uh, no, but I got some ideas. All right. <laughs> so we'll see. It might be, well, I might be working on some stuff in the upcoming years. <laughs> wow. De- wow. That's very vague. Decades. <laughs> Stay tuned for 2024. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Bash Bros Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.